0: Hello everyone and welcome to the show today. School is coming to an end and we're kicking off a three-week series focused on helping students who are either headed to college or who are already in college. The theme that connects all of these interviews over the next three weeks is the question, how do I make the most of this time and set myself up for success? If you're not a college student, don't worry. These episodes will be extremely valuable for any young leader looking to make a difference in the world. This week, Brian Preston and Bo Hansen are our guests, and they're going to share about the small and simple steps you can take in your late teens and 20s to become a millionaire, as well as how to position yourself well for the future. Joining me this week to listen to and discuss the interviews are my friends and fellow leaders, Ansley Burford, Ethan Kelly, and Isaiah Friedman. So the question I wanted to start off with today is, what was something that you took time to save up for that ended up being worth the wait. Ethan, you are the oldest here and probably the <laughs> wisest. So I'm we're going to start wisest. off with you.
1: All right. My story actually starts with a leader/slash mentor in my life, um, Herschel Waltman. He owned a local pharmaceutical company and hired me to do work for him when I was in high school. And also, I worked for him while I was in college as well. And A few weeks after getting my driver's permit, when I was 15, he let me drive his BMW 7 Series home. Mm. And I was hooked from that point forwards. And so I decided I wanted to go to college in a BMW. So a used one, of course. And so I mowed yards for three years, saved my money, and bought me a 1998 BMW 528i. And I loved driving every minute of it.
0: And I should say, Ethan is a great person to have on today because he is someone who deals with finances and investments. So he can speak to today's content from a professional perspective. And you've also been fairly successful since college, so you can speak to that as well. Well,
1: I don't know about that. But yeah,
0: thank you. I appreciate it. So Ansley, you are a college student right now, so you're able to speak from the perspective of a college student, but what would you say
2: for
3: today's question? Um, I would say personally, uh, right out of high school, um, I had a lot of money saved up just from like past gifts from family, like over Christmases and stuff, and my first idea, I was like, I just graduated high school, I was like, I can blow this now, right? But my mentor at the time told me, she was like, you know what? What's something that you have always really wanted, but haven't had the money to spend or the time to invest in? And I was like, oh, you know, um, I've always dreamed of being a photographer. You know, it's just some dream of mine. But she encouraged me then. She was like, don't spend your money now. She was like, just put it away. Put it in a box somewhere um, that you have saved up. And even when you get your first job, keep putting money away. A year after I graduated, I finally had enough money by saving month by month um, to get my my dream camera. And now it's a huge part of what I do in my daily life, like even in my job now. So I'm really thankful that I didn't blow my money straight out of high school.
0: That's really neat. And Isaiah, you have just graduated from high school. You're about to head to college. You represent the target audience for, for this episode. What would be something that you saved up for? Took a little while, but was definitely worth the wait yeah so a couple years ago I got into playing electric guitar a lot which if you know much about is a pretty expensive hobby if you let it be but I decided that all the money I earned throughout the year I was just gonna save up put in the bank account but I had one two-week job in the summer that I was gonna spend on my musical equipment so uh, I-, I waited about a year and a half and finally I bought a- the amp that I'd wanted for a very long time before that I was playing through this like Fender practice amp that costs like $60, but I bought like a $600 amp and uh, I've been very happy with it. So definitely was a well worth investment. And in case you didn't pick up on the last name, Isaiah is my younger brother and the second of my brothers to be on the podcast. And he bought the amp that I always looked to and wanted when I was younger, but I never actually saved up enough money. So congratulations to you. (laughs) (laughs) So, Brian Preston is the founder of Abound Wealth Management and the award-winning Money Guy Show, and he's been recognized as one of the top 100 financial advisors in the United States. Bo Hansen is the co-founder of Abound Wealth Management and the Money Guy Show. Together, they form a dynamic team focused on educating people, helping them with their finances, and enriching their lives. They've appeared on Fox Business, Time, Forbes, U.S. News and World Report, The Wall Street Journal, and much more. Now, here they are on the Life as Leadership podcast to share with us the importance of caring about finances, even at a young age, and how to live a strategic and focused life. Brian and Bo, welcome to the show today.
2: We're glad to be here.
0: On your business website, AboundWealth.com, each member of your team has a professional and quote-unquote real bio. So what are some of the interesting things to know about the real Brian and the real Bo.
2: Yeah, I'll jump in first. This is Brian. You know, I love the fact of we want people to know when they're talking to us that they, you know, we're not just financial advisors that are nerdy with, you know, all the designations behind us. We want them to know, like, I enjoy going to Disney World, I used to drive a school bus in, in college. You know, Bo, you have some unique things too about yourself.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting. When you think about financial planning and helping somebody navigate their personal financial situation, uh, it's a lot of science and math, but it's also a lot of art. And so if you're going to trust someone to come in and help with the art piece, you kind of want to understand what kind of artists they are. And so that's why I put the real us out there. The fact that maybe we do have a background in athletics or we used to be a bus driver or we sleep with our eyes open or we love Disney. We just want folks to know that, that it's more than just a uh, number crunchers and nerds.
0: One of the concepts that you talk about all the time on The Money Guy Show, one of the things that's really stuck with me over my time listening to your podcast is something called the abundance mindset or the abundance cycle. I'd like to hear from you a little bit about what this is and how it shapes what you do.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, the whole foundation of The Money Guy Show is that I recognize really quickly that there's a lot of people in the financial field that were more salesmen than they were consultants or people trying to help people make the right decisions, that whole heart of an educator. So we wanted to kind of fill in that void. So we started giving away free advice years ago, back in 2006, when the podcast first started. And then we recognized that this whole abundance cycle, it really worked out nicely where we'd love on clients by giving them tons of free advice, letting them learn, apply and grow and then become even more successful. And our thought was after you become to this degree of success that you either don't have the time or you're just worried that now you've reached this level that you'd like to have somebody look over your shoulder and make sure you're doing it right so you don't screw it up, pay us back by coming to us at that point. That's the abundance cycle is that we love on you with free advice so hopefully when you reach a level of success, you'll come back and and talk to us about becoming potentially a client at that point.
1: You know, we also feel like it's it's our own little miniature calling, miniature way to make the world better. There's so much bad financial information out there and so much negative financial information. We wanted to be that voice out there in the distance that was actually helping people figure out how to achieve what their ultimate life goals and life dreams are with finances.
0: So this show is going to be focused significantly on younger people and how they can begin to think about finances and really think about their life in general. But the truth is, finances affect each one of us. It's such an important aspect of our life and something that a lot of us don't feel super comfortable talking about, maybe even thinking about. So why is our relationship with finances so important? And based on your experience with clients and with life in general, what are some things that
2: people get wrong? Well, I I think most young people, they have this mentality that they're poor, they're broke. They just don't have much in resources. So just we'll, we'll tap out, we'll defer it. We won't even think about money until maybe down the road when we have more money, But the biggest thing I try to tell and share with young people is that you are a blank slate with limitless opportunity, and every dollar you have as a 20-year-old is worth substantially – I mean, there's a multiple to what a 30-year-old has, a 40-year-old has – so, if you can just, I don't even feel like you have to save a ton. If you just start doing something to get your money working for you, your army of dollar bills is what we talk about. That $1 could turn into $88 when you retire. That's the, there's huge potential. And I think people who are young sometimes, don't recognize how much opportunity they truly have and,
1: and i think a, a common misnomer is people think that in order to be wealthier in order to have resources you have to be extraordinarily special you have to be a celebrity or a fortune 500 ceo or an athlete and what we found is that just some very simple disciplined behaviors can allow you to lead a very very wealthy lifestyle where you're able to do all the things you want to do when you want to do them the way you want to do them being wealthy and successful isn't just for those rich people. It's actually available and attainable for very average individuals.
2: Yeah.
0: Brian, you just mentioned this, and it could be one of those things that just gets glossed over real quick, but it's so important. You talked about the future value of a dollar that's invested today. So maybe if you could reiterate that, and then um, Bo, kind of talk about some of those things that you alluded to, some of those practices and ways of, of living and thinking about life that can help you for the future.
2: Well, I mean, the the example I gave is somebody who's 20 years old, $1, assuming they just put it in something as simple as the S&P 500, by the time they retire at 65, that $1 is going to very likely be worth somewhere around $88. So there's a huge multiplier effect there. Their their peer who's 30 years old, that money's only going to turn into $23. So you saw how that, that it, it just by that 10 years of time passing, it cut the potential for that $1 significantly. So I always try to get people who are in their 20s and Bo said it best. I mean, I, I don't come from money. Bo doesn't come from money. If I just needed somebody to help me retrain my mindset to understand that opportunity is out there for anybody who's in their 20s. I mean, if you are a 20-year-old, you do not it's not even much money. I mean, you don't have to save around $100 a month for the rest of your life and you will be a millionaire and I think that's something that is not taught in school, it's not taught in college, and it's one of those things that it's a, it, there's a mindset that success is elusive, and that's just not the case.
1: Yeah, and the behaviors are surprisingly simple. Uh, we always tell people that the best time to start investing was yesterday, so the second best time to start investing is today, because time, for most individuals, is the single most valuable resource that they have. So if you want to set yourself up for success, start as early as possible. Make sure that you spend less money than you make so you have some that you're putting aside for a ready day. Learn how to master deferred gratification, meaning if you want something, you save up and you build up for it. And then you avoid pitfalls like uh, racking up debt or falling into lifestyle creep. If you can do those sorts of things, you're going to set yourself up for success long term. So
0: some of those things are things that you pick up by interacting with clients. You can pick it up from learning things in college, other academic circles. But the truth is, we learn a lot through our experiences with money in our own lives. So what were some experiences with money and personal finances that kind of shaped how you think about money and how you understand its influence in your lives based on your experiences in high school and college?
2: I have two of them. I had one that happened when I was in the eighth grade. My father lost his job. So that kind of showed me the value of scarcity, how you've got to really make sure you pay attention to what, that you have savings and that you're planning for the future. And then the second thing is actually something that happened in my junior year of high school is that I had an economics teacher as your typical, you know, wearing the tight shorts, um, wearing the, the whistle around his neck. He was a wrestling coach, but then in his spare time, he was also doing economics teaching, but his primary thing was to be the wrestling coach. But he did share with us, in this economics class, that if we would all just save a hundred dollars a month, anybody in that class could have been a millionaire. And I remember, because wow. I was working at Hardee's as I was like the drive-through crew chief at that time, I was like, I could save a hundred dollars. And it was that it was that it was that light bulb moment that kind of changed my life. And then I always had a healthy fear of debt. I mean, Bo did a good job of explaining. I think that's the first thing that I, that freaks me out about college kids is that. And back when I was in college at the University of Georgia, there were people signing up for credit cards for a free bag of potato chips. I mean, and that that's the most expensive bag of potato chips they ever got for free because <laughs> they were going to carry that debt around with them forever. So I'm just telling people to be much more scared – and fearful of the debt, but also making sure you're focusing on the positive letting the money grow
1: and you know I my background is I grew up from very, very humble beginnings uh, we did not have a lot of money growing up very low socioeconomic status and what I recognized was that there were uh, behaviors that money wasn't about having things or buying you know expensive doodads it was about freedom to be able to live the kind of life that you ultimately wanted to live and so I learned very early on that if you make wise financial decisions early, you can set yourself up so that you can have resources so that you can do those things and have those experiences that maybe you weren't able to have as a child.
0: Sure. Yeah. So Brian, going back to your coach real quick, because this is so astounding to me that someone can give you a little piece of advice that really influences your thinking on money that significantly. Was he someone that knew much about finance or was he just someone that knew the right thing to say at the right time?
2: I don't think he had a lot of money. I think it was one of those things, because you'll see it. You, we're fortunate that we work with a lot of successful people, but we all know somebody who's kind of reached that middle age stage of life. Things haven't worked out as perfectly as they had hoped. And so they feel like, if I'm not going to have this, maybe I could at least influence the next group so that they don't make the same mistakes I make. That's the feeling I have about this coach, is I think he was kind of in this stage of his life. He was a single guy. And I think things had not all lined up perfectly. He was kind of just sharing something he wished he had known when he was, you know, 16, 17 years of age. And I was the beneficiary of him paying it forward and sharing that advice. And that's kind of the, the mantra we've had with the, the show is that there's so many nuggets of great information that just doesn't get shared. I mean, it's, sure. so if you can find a resource and wake up, we, we get emails all the time from people where we'll say something, that they will, somebody will attribute to some to, to something, a level of success they've had. I love that because yeah. it feels like we're kind of having that same moment where we're paying it forward and letting somebody, you know, catch that, that moment or that idea that's going to help them.
0: Sure. And one thing that I meant to say earlier that I didn't say is that one thing that is really helpful about your show is that you've done some episodes that highlight kind of where you should be financially in your 20s, 30s, 40s, all the way through the typical retirement age of 65 years old. And so on your YouTube channel, you can actually go and find for whatever decade you're in, you know, find a clip uh, a segment from one of your shows and kind of see where you 're supposed to be and that 's super helpful to to kind of have a, a benchmark along the way to see first of all how you uh, maybe compare to peers and then uh, where you could be if you are someone who is doing a real good job at accumulating wealth for the future so that 's a really helpful thing that I would encourage people to go uh, to your youtube channel uh, the money guy show and and look that up if you 're in your twenties thirties forties, wherever you are in life to see where you are and where you where you should be is very helpful. But I want I want to turn to a scenario real quick, because once again, we're focusing on young people in this episode. So I want to talk about a particular type of college student for a few minutes. We'll base the next couple questions off of this. So here's the situation. This student long term, they want to make a difference in the world. They know that. But at the same time, they want to make the most of their college experience. They want to live in the present, but they're also beginning to think and plan for the future. The thing is they don't know much about money and aren't exactly sure what life after college is going to look like. So for this type of student, if this person came to you for advice on what their college year should look like, what mindset, habits, and experiences would you recommend for them so that they can set themselves up for the future?
2: So this is one of those things. you know, Warren Buffett is one of the people we kind of look up to. We love reading his annual letter to shareholders. And one of the things he talks about for businesses is Have they created a moat around their business that visualize a a castle and, you know, and and that, that protection of water that's around the castle, you know, businesses have to create something that makes them stand out and gives them longevity. It's the same thing for people. So I always tell students, especially try to figure out what you can do that others are not doing. You know, whether it's when I, when people are interviewing for jobs, Go, everybody's going to answer questions the same way. So you better figure out an angle with that employer you want to work with, like interviewing a client, go find a business partner that, you know, has some con- connection in the community that you live in. There's all kind of things you can do to make yourself stand out in college. Also, I mean, I had a lot of friends that I felt like some of their majors, they went the easy way and went with a major that didn't require them to study a lot. Well, I don't have a great time, but there's too much of a good thing. I went with accounting degree because I look, I didn't love my major in college. It was not easy. I missed out on some fun times in the short term, but I knew that if I graduated with an accounting degree, I would have a job before I even graduated sure. college. Yeah. And that was it's that's what I try to tell. I tell that to my daughter, I tell it to all young people. Try to figure out that road less traveled because that's going to lead to success. It's not if you go everybody goes easy. And that's why everybody doesn't have success. And I know that sounds cold and hard, but it's, it's unfortunately kind of a, a, a fact or a given thing of the way life works.
1: Yeah, you know, the, the, the eloquent way that we say it is you have to figure out how to make yourself a peacock. How do you make yourself stand out? Because everyone that's coming through your major is going to have the same diplomas, printed on the same paper. Odds are they're going to have the same type of GPA. They will have participated in the same programs. You have to figure out what it is about you that looks different than what's on your resume because unfortunately I think too many young folks rely solely on their resume to be the thing that makes them stand out. And frankly, that's just a difficult thing to do.
2: Yeah. And and I I get like, we've been interviewing a lot of candidates recently. It's sad when the resume is better than the interview. That's right. The the resume is just supposed, supposed to be your introduction. The interview is supposed to be the part where you get kind of attached or connected to the personality and it's, um, it's unfortunate when students don't do their homework on the person they're interviewing with. It's just they went the easy road and you can tell. it.
0: Well, so going with this same scenario, let's say the student graduates and they have done a good job at becoming that peacock, like you said, Bo, setting themselves apart from the pack, so to speak. At this point, what advice would you give them on how they can best position themselves to become influential leaders in the job market and in life?
2: I'm going to brag on Bo a little bit because Bo, I recruited Bo out of college, and here's something he does that I thought was genius, and I would recommend everybody do it, is he was very selfless, but he did it selfless also, and I'm going to say it in a somewhat selfish way in the fact that whenever he wanted something, whether it was more money, a pay raise, he tried to figure out a way to position it where it would benefit him, but only after it benefited me, the employer, first. And I think that that is a brilliant way to to work through a system is to figure out a selfless way that not only benefits you the individual but also helps your employer because that's that's the other thing is that your employer typically if you want to be good and successful make their job easier. I mean that really is the thing. And Bo and I joked about it is because we realized we can't kind of we're doing things the same way. When I was an associate coming up through a financial planning as well as in public accounting firms. I wanted my clients to think about me more than the lead advisor. That's that, that's not, I wasn't cruel to my, my boss. I think my boss actually liked it because it made his job easier. And, and I think that's an important thing. Whatever you do, don't so often, and I try to tell this to my daughter too, everybody focuses, it's just a human nature thing, whereas we're all somewhat selfish. If you can step outside of that and be a little more, have grace-filled and gracious and selfless towards others, it will pay itself forward for your success, I promise.
0: So what are some other insights that you can maybe give based on your experiences as job seekers and also people who are hiring employees? Because at this point, both of you have been able to do both of those things. So Brian, you've talked about it a little bit Bo, do you have some insight to give there as far as what to think about when you're looking for a job and then both of you maybe how you think about things when you're hiring people.
1: Yeah, sort of repeating what Brian just said a little bit differently, you have to figure out how to deliver value first in any relationship, whether you're seeking a job or if this is a a dating relationship, a relationship with friends or with colleagues, how can you deliver value to that person or to the counterparty before you receive value? You're naturally going to set yourself up in a great position. And one thing that we're so amazed by is that it doesn't take a whole lot to go a little bit extra, to be a little extraordinary. We're amazed at how many interviewees we talk to who is clear they've done no research on us. They didn't go to our websites, they didn't read our bios. They have no way to really connect to us in a meaningful way. If you're out there hiring and you're looking for jobs and you're looking for ways to set yourself out, figure out a way to understand who the person sitting across the table from you is or on the other line is and find out how you can connect with them in their world, whether it be something they're involved in, something they're engaged with, or other folks that they know. You're going to be amazed at how far that will take you simply by bridging those gaps and making those connections early on.
2: I mean, like we had an interview, an interviewee come in just a few days ago who let us know he dropped it in the interview, which was smart, he planted a nugget. Letting us know that in addition to going on our website, he'd pulled our ADV, which is our legal disclosure with the federal government that we okay. had to put out there. I thought that was genius. I mean, because, look, I don't know that he got a lot of information, but the, it was brilliant that he actually let us know he went that extra step. That's the stuff that's going to make somebody stand out that's versus right. the guy who didn't even read our bios on the, on the website.
0: Sure. Yeah. So for young people who want to begin building a strong financial future, what would be some of the most intensely practical action steps that you could recommend to them for right now for this week?
1: We actually have an entire show dedicated to this where we talk about the order of operations, financial steps you can take and how you can start out to really set yourself up on the right foot. Uh, The very first thing, if you're thinking about it, is you want to have an emergency reserves built up. And then you start there, and you can move through some different areas of how to save. You know, should I be doing a Roth IRA? Should I be taking advantage of a health savings account? Should I just go open up my very first savings account? Whatever the case may be, there are steps that you can take, and there's an order to how you take those steps to really set yourself up on a solid foundational footing.
2: And I would take it, as you get your first real job, take a deep breath on expanding that lifestyle because I know in college I could make $10 last a long time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, then I got, and then I got that first job and it's amazing. You're, you're gonna be surprised at how fast you adapt to making more money. So I would just tell people before you adapt and let yourself get your life get away from you, go ahead and start those habits early on where you're living on less than you make, that you're automatically paying yourself first, and saving something for the future. And you're generous. I mean, those type of things, if you'll do that early, I promise it will pay off. And then what's cool is you'll get to that point, like I'm in, where I'm in my mid 40s, life's a lot easier because I made the right gratification sacrifices early.
0: So first of all, just for the listeners, the article that Bo mentioned is in the show notes below. But in addition to that, do you have any recommendations as far as how much people should be saving general rules of thumb to help people out?
2: I think right out of the get go, like I said, if you're a person like me that $10 went a long way when you were young, if you can, I know this is really aspirational, but you're trying to get this where you're saving between 15 to 25% of your gross income as soon as possible. Okay. And
1: one of the things that, that I find heartbreaking is we tell folks that, hey, your goal should really be to save 15 to 20%. And I think that number gets so daunting and so overwhelming. What I would encourage someone in college or someone who has a part time job or someone who just started their first job, start somewhere. Maybe you can't do 15 to 20%, but maybe you can do 20 bucks a month. If you just start something and start that behavior, you'll be amazed at how quickly it moves and how quickly you actually get addicted to saving money. It's true.
0: So I hope that listeners will be checking out The Money Guy Show. You have both a podcast as well as a YouTube channel. I was hoping that you'd be able to speak to maybe some of the things that are on the horizon for The Money Guy Show, some things that listeners can be looking forward
2: to or expecting for the future. Well, we're we're going to continue. We're actually hiring a full-time employee to help us with content creation as well as just making sure we have full-time attention to the growth of the Money Guy Show. We have thoughts of in the next 12 months, we'll probably have some, some introduction courses for basics like how to create a net worth statement, And, you know, what's your number that you need to start thinking about for saving for retirement? All these things to kind of get you speed up and accelerate that abundance cycle so that you reach that level of success even sooner.
1: And we think that meaningfully engaging with our audience matters. So one of the things that we started doing is every other Tuesday night, we will do a live recording of our YouTube show. Well, after we finish recording the show, we actually stay on and answer questions in a live Q&A. So whatever question our listeners or our audience have – whether it be about starting out and saving or about whether they should buy a house or how much can they afford or should they buy a car or whatever the case may be, we actually want to meaningfully engage with them and answer those questions. So if you haven't had a chance to go check out the live, uh, live broadcast, do that. You can ask us questions right there directly.
2: And at a minimum, just go to moneyguy.com. Give us your email address because we, we kind of send you reminders as we're, we're doing new initiatives and things are coming out.
0: Well, Brian, Bo, thank you so much for, for sharing your insight today. Before you go, I have a few final questions that are meant to inspire us toward better leadership. So you're ready for these? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day?
2: I mean, I'll tell you, anybody out there should go read The Millionaire Next Door. I think Dr. Thomas Stanley wrote that book in 1996 and is pretty phenomenal. Uh, the, the, the thing that I try to live by is don't get busy doing
1: nothing. Focus on those things that really matter and don't get lost in the superfluousness of life.
0: Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is...
1: Decisive, motivated, and motivating.
2: I Mm. I had selfless, three steps ahead, and decisive. Awesome.
0: What's a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others?
1: Uh, I said why. You have to understand what's the motivation behind the things you're doing, decisions you're making, and the direction you're going. If you don't have a big why that's pushing you, uh, it's going to be hard for you to stay
2: on track. It's so funny how we think with the same brain, because I had written <laughs> why and what is the purpose begin with the end in mind. So what what book would you recommend to leaders? It, here's one. This is an easy, everything Bo and I shared on like when you're interviewing, you're entering the workforce yeah. is all built upon Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. Classic, if you have yeah. not read that book. You are messing up because it's even good for dating. Everything with the human condition is addressed in this book that was written in the like 1930s.
0: And is I, I think some people assume that it's a little self-serving or yeah, self-serving is probably the best word. So what what would you say to that?
1: Well, if you actually read the concept and understand what Mister Carnegie is expressing, he's basically saying. Figure out how you deliver value first, deliver value first, deliver value first. Well, if we live in a society where all of us were just giving value to others first, even if it benefited us, it's crazy to not see how that's going to make society as a whole better. So while it is ultimately self-serving, it doesn't start that way. It starts as a very selfless act of delivering value to other people before you receive value yourself. No doubt.
0: Absolutely, so next question here. if you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would it be
2: i I think I heard this advice from one of my clients that came from the podcast who had very successful adult children is that everybody needs to figure out what their passion is and what they do better than the world class meaning the top five percent in the world because this, as this gentleman put it to me i mean if you if you like cutting hair, the person that's in the top five percent of cutting hair. Is making six figures so you can be successful in anything if you figure out what you're doing that's world class and top five percent in the world you just got to figure out where you fit in in the, in the world with that talent and that that's, aptitude that's great
0: and here's our final arbitrary but insightful question and bo you kind of spoke to this a little bit already but as a general life principle is it better to ask why or why not
1: Uh, You know, it's going to be
2: surprising. I actually think, why not? Okay. And I think, why? I knew that Bo, when I was actually thinking about this question, I I was like, I knew Bo was going to be, why not? And I knew I'd be, why? Yeah, I think,
1: why? It causes you to be very focused and very driven and very determined, but also very finite. What I like about the question, why not, is it becomes infinite and it becomes open and it expands opportunities and it expands possibilities. Why not really leaves the entire
2: universe open. Uh, also, but here's the thing, Josh, you have to understand Bo is still in his 30s, ah. I'm in my <laughs> 40s. So I'm in what I call the wounded warrior phase where okay. I've gotten a little older, a little, little wiser. I'm still trying to conquer the world, but my own way. So it's more of the why the why not is the young warrior who's really trying to crash through the world. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if you fast forward 15 years if Bo's not asking why in the future too. But I'll let him have the warrior phase of his life as, as we are right now.
0: Well, I think to some degree we need both. And the fact that you two have different perspectives kind of goes into what makes you a dynamic team. You're able to help each other out, add to each other's insight. And the Money Guy Show is better for it, I believe. Brian and Bo, thank you so much for joining the show today. Where can people go to learn more about your work in the Money Guy
2: Show? Definitely go check us out at moneyguide.com. You can also, if you want to know more about the financial planning business, it's aboundwealth.com. And then as you've already mentioned, Josh, go out to YouTube, just type in Money Guy Show. You'll see all of our archives will show up and it's um, a lot of educational stuff that we're just giving it away.
0: Help them to get to 21,000 because I think I was checking just recently and y'all are almost at 20,800 blowing past that 20,000 slot. So get the Money Guy Show to 21,000 as fast as possible.
2: Hey, I'm going to go ahead and do the why not that we would do. And we ought to, I want us to be at 30000 in I the next it. two months. So let's, let's do let's it. Let's make it
0: happen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, Josh. I hope you found today's interview valuable. We'll be back on Friday to discuss the interview and share some of our key takeaways with you. If you want to share your own thoughts on what you heard today or leave other feedback for the show, email us at community at life as And if you think today's show could be helpful to someone else who cares about becoming a better leader, go ahead and share it with them. Until next time, keep living and leading well. Or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens.